Welcome to Hope for the Heart. This is William Rogers bringing the message today out of the book of Revelation, chapter 12. As we continue our verse-by-verse study through this tremendous book, I can't believe I'm actually on chapter 12. Uh, and glee, Gleaning through the rest of this is quite a bit left to go, so uh, bear with me. Uh, we're not going to get very far tonight in chapter 12, but we're going to get enough. So I want to give you the context, Revelation 12 uh, verses 15, 16, and 17. I'll read those for us just to put them into context, and I invite you to open your Bible and follow along if you uh, have one right there handy. Revelation chapter 12, verse 15, the Word of God reads, And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened up its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus Christ. You know, if you were to study the nation of Israel and look at their history, as well as their future, you would see their history would be full of things that could describe it like punishment, judgment, death, suffering, trials, tribulation. And yet, if you were to look at the future of Israel from this moment on, you're going to see things like punishment, judgment, death, suffering, pain, trials, tribulations, all kind of the same thing. In fact, it's going to be that way throughout the rest of time until the Lord Jesus comes back to establish His kingdom. We're seeing that in the book of Revelation. That's why this book is so exciting. Not that all these people are going to be punished or judged or there's going to be death and famine and earthquakes. Not that. It's just that we can see the relevancy and the realness of God's Word as it is uh, being opened up right before our eyes and we're seeing Prophecy, even to this day, being fulfilled right in front of us. So here in the 12th chapter, we're looking at this time known as the tribulation period. And it's broken into two sections. The tribulation period is seven years. And then the last three and a half years is called the great tribulation period. And it covers basically from uh, the halfway all the way to the end, which halfway we're calling the abomination of desolation. So this people, the Jewish nation, is they're a very unique people. They've been hit from two sides, so to speak. The two most formidable powers of the universe, and I'm talking about God and Satan himself. Through the centuries, they have suffered in these two ways. And yet, as bad as it has been, we can say with Jeremiah and with Matthew chapter 24 that the worst is yet to come. Now, that might not be a lot of comfort if you're a Jew, and it's not a lot of comfort if you're not going to be taken up in the rapture. It's going to be a time of terrible time, a terrible trouble. In fact, it's going to be the worst of times because God's wrath and fury will be poured out on the world of unrepentant people, unbelieving Jews. People will be destroyed. There will be just, it's a horrible time on earth, not one that we would want to go through. So the, per- the greatest persecution in the time of the tribulation will surpass all that Israel has suffered of the, in the past. All of it together, it will. There's literally going to be hundreds of thousands of people that are going to die. 
And it's really Satan's final attempt to abort all that God is trying to do. He, he knows that there's coming a kingdom. He's trying to stop the kingdom. He knows that the Word of God says that all Israel shall be saved, that there's going to be a remnant saved. So he's trying to stop that. Uh, he, he's trying to stop everything that relates to God and God's will and purposes. And yet we see that as we go through here, so much is going to be uh, Satan pouring out his wrath upon uh, the, the unbelievers or even believers. Uh, he's really going after believers. And, and, and Satan is going after the nation of Israel. But it's something I think is important for us to understand is that God certainly has allowed Satan to be effective in his persecution and in his quest to destroy God's people. He has allowed Satan to, yeah, kill many Jews and even many believers through the ages. And God will allow that in the time of tribulation because it does accomplish God's person, a purpose and God's purging of his people. You know, I, I can't explain that. I just uh, I, I know by faith that it is real and that it is right. Uh, you remember the prophet of old said that God will purge out two-thirds of those in Israel. In fact, that prophet of old is uh, uh, Ezekiel says that. But Satan wants them all. He wants all of God's people destroyed. He doesn't want anybody left. He will, he, he will fight to the end, knowing that God is still going to be victorious in this. Uh, it, it's an amazing thing. You can read about this in Daniel chapter 12 that we mentioned last time. Daniel chapter 12 actually talks about the, the shattering of the power of the people of God, the onslaught against God's people, Israel. And it is a very interesting thing to, to, to do, to read. In fact, Daniel chapter 12, 10 says this. And speaking of the same time in which we're looking at in Revelation 12, he says, Many will be purged, purified, refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand. But those who have insight will understand. And from the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days, which is three and a half years. Uh, actually, a little bit more than that. He adds 30 days to the three and a half years, uh, probably to deal with, most people agree, is this, the cleaning up of uh, the remnants of the, the war of the uh, Armageddon and getting ready for the kingdom, the kingdom ceremonies themselves. Now, this tells us, Pat, Revelation, I mean, Daniel chapter 12 tells us there's coming a terrible purging from God's viewpoint, a refining and purifying of his people. The pure, I mean, the pure will be protected. The wicked will continue to act wickedly and they will not understand what's going on. It's going to all be in the tribulation period, a, a terrible time of judgment and persecution. And all the while, God is allowing that purging to be done by Satan. That is an amazing thing to try to understand. You just can't wrap your, heads around, your head around that. At the same time, he's going to protect his people. He's going to protect, for example, the 144,000 with a seal that protects them from the judgment. He's going to protect the elect of Israel. The one-third is going to be saved. And so you can see God's work is happening uh, in, 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 in both, whether it's Satan looking at what Satan does or whether it's looking at the protecting 
and the comforting that God does. Satan then is going after Israel. He will be thrown out of heaven as we saw last week. And in this chapter, in Daniel, I mean Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 and 8, he's thrown out and he is going to uh, uh, land on the earth and he's going to need a commander of the forces of the world. He needs a world ruler. And I think this is where he sets up a person that we know him as the Antichrist. So I believe the first thing he does along with his demons is to hit and hits the earth is to establish a power base. Uh, headed up by the Antichrist. He's going to use false prophet. He's going to use the proliferation of the demons that have been filling the earth, all cast out of heaven. It's going to be an awful lot going on. And remember, the goal of Satan is to destroy Israel and to abort the kingdom and to stop the reign of Jesus Christ. And here's the crazy thing. Think about this. He knows he's going to lose. But yet he's going to still try to pursue this as though he thinks he could win. Perhaps in some way, he might think he's going to win, but he's not. He will not succeed because God will protect his chosen people. I'm going to give you a few verses at the end to just kind of hang your hat on as far as that goes. But this section here in the book of Revelation, we see three different waves of attacks. After he lands on earth, there are three different waves. We saw the first wave last week. It's verse 14. Of Revelation 12, the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman, which is Israel, in order that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. This is a, a, a running, this is a, a, a leaving the scene. This is getting out of Israel and going to the wilderness. Revelation 12, 6 talks about this. Uh, it says that the woman, which is Israel, fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God. God prepares a place for, for the nation of Israel to go to. And so in verse 6, you see she is fleeing there. And that is a direct re revelation to us as far as what we know about what's going on in the tribulation period. And it's based on, revel on Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, I remind you from last week, Verse 15, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet happens. The immediate response is, is what is given to us in Matthew 24, verse 16. It says, let those in Judea do what? It says, let them flee, run, get out of there because he's going to chase you. Let them flee to the mountains. Don't even go down into your house if you're up on the roof to get things that are yours. If you're in the field, don't go back and get your, your coat. If you have babies and you're trying to nurse, woe to you and pray that your flight not be in the winter or on the Sabbath because there is coming a great tribulation. And last week, I, based on that one thing, I, I titled the message last week, Run, Israel, Run. This week, I'm titling it The Great Escape. Because we're going to see an escape here that is, is only possible because of, of God and His protection, providential watch care over the nation of Israel. Now, we've seen Israel with a great escape many times. Uh, there's just too many stories in the Bible to cover. But one that comes out in my mind is when the nation of Israel, was uh, through Moses, was being led out of Egypt into the wilderness, and they were being released and then suddenly Pharaoh has it in his heart to get out, gather his army and to go after him. And he goes after him and chases him and gets right up to the point. Well, when he gets there, 
you know, we see in the story that God parts the Red Sea, using Moses to just open up that sea and let the nation of Israel cross over that river on dry land. But yet as they get to the other side, here comes the Pharaoh's army, and what does it say about them? They get in the middle, and God closes the sea, and they all drown. So that was a great escape. I mean, there was no way they were going to escape Pharaoh's army. He was gathering. uh, He was coming in as fast as he could uh, with his chariots and his army, and they were about to overtake him, and yet God provided a way of escape. That was a great escape, and there's been others. Uh, Look at Noah. Uh, Noah escaped the great flood uh, that destroyed the world. There's all kinds of escapes in the Bible. You can read differences where David, as simple as one person escaping another, David escaped the the murderous revenge from, from Saul, king of Israel. And yet this escape is going to happen in the, in the future with the nation of Israel running from, in which is the first wave of the attack, he's running, the uh, nation of Israel runs from the Antichrist to a place that God has prepared now, it's not just like he's running from one person. They're fleeing because the Antichrist will have a, a world of, of soldiers, of nations of soldiers that can come after them and literally slaughter them. So they're running from that. They're running from the persecution that is coming and pursuing them. The word persecution there, or the word pursue, is the word for to chase or to hunt down. Uh, it is the persecuted ones. In fact, we see this in Revelation chapter 12, verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted. There's the word. He persecuted or pursued or chased or hunt down the nation of Israel. The, uh, the idea here implies hostile forces, which is the usual uh, usage of this verb in the New Testament. And we're going to find more details about that, how that actually happens in Revelation chapter 13. So with this first wave we see in this uh, section that it, uh, Israel is told to run, they're told to flee because Satan and the Antichrist are coming after them. And uh, we, we can see in, in several different places in the, in the uh, New Testament Uh, Mark chapter 13 speaks of the same event. Matthew 24 speaks of the same event. Uh, Israel's situation is going to be terrifying. Uh, I can't imagine what that's like. You know, you try to visualize how these judgments are going to happen during the time of tribulation, and your heart just goes out to anyone that has to just suddenly pick up and run. I mean, what do you take? What do you go back in? If you can go back in, what do you get? Do you get your loved ones? That's it. And the clothes on your back, go. And yet, it's going to be a time of economic stress. It's going to be a time where we already have seen that it's going to be characteristic of the world. It's going to be famine, pestilence, uh, murder, death. It's going to be the, the world economic system, especially from the middle of tribulation on, it's going to be you must have the mark of the beast in order to even buy or sell or provide food for your family. And so God provides a way to, to help the nation of Israel or to nourish them as Revelation chapter 12, verse 6 says. It says, so that she might be nourished Four, and then it says 1,260 days. Well, that's three and a half years. 
So that's from the midway of the tribulation to the very end. At the time when the world is going to, you either have to be uh, uh, obtain a mark of the beast or you can't buy food. What are you going to do? Well, the nation of Israel is going to flee into the wilderness, which would be seeming like an impossible situation, but God is going to provide an escape from all that's going on in the world and the persecution that is following them and trying to get them. So Israel's situation, yes, it's going to be terrifying. Yes, it's going to be tragic. Yes, they need to run because Satan is starting to pursue. He's thrown down to the earth and he goes after Israel. And it is going to be a pursuit that will be like none other. He's going to be wanting to tear them apart, uh, to, to destroy them. In fact, we even read last week where the, the world chips in. The world helps them. So the review of the, uh, the, the, the first wave is, is the two wings of the eagle, which you know, we said last week is we don't know what that actually is. It, it is Old Testament terminology, uh, basically saying that God is going to provide a way of escape. Uh, some people have said that's the uh, United States Air Force helping them there in Revelation chapter 12, verse 14. Well, you know, it could be. Uh, it, it, but I, I do not know. I do not see this as a, uh, any kind of an act. I don't think it's an actual bird. I don't think the, it's a literal bird at all. But, you know, God could use a literal bird if he wanted to. I don't think this is what this is saying. I think God is just simply going to step in and take care of them. He's going to provide for them a passage to a place he's prepared for them in order that she might fly to the wilderness to her place, it says. So, with that in mind, God hides them somewhere. We don't know where that is. And it's like most prophecy we read, you always want to know more. Uh, But, you know, we are not going to get more. Uh, Whether God reveals more later, I just don't know. But the wilderness here generally refers to the land east of Jerusalem, which we've already looked at on that part. Now I want you to see the second wave. The first wave is just just a pursuit after them and their, their... they're fleeing that. But now the second wave of attack, it comes in verse 15. Listen to this. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. Now the woman there obviously is, is Israel. And this is some kind of language here. Apparently Satan is so upset in his initial first attack that he can't get to this great multitude of this elect of God's people. He just can't get to them, so he has to resort to, as one writer says, long-range war tactics. He himself can't get there, uh, whether it's uh, uh, whoever he's talking about here, but the Antichrist cannot get him. And so he's mad. He's anxious. He's, uh, he's about to panic. He's furious. Now, the imagery here is quite interesting, uh, that it's not uncommon... Uh, for for the Bible again, uh, Jeremiah forty six eight talks about Egypt rising like the Nile, like the rivers who waters surge about, and and we we know what happens there. But I want to read you or quote out of Arnold Frutenbaum's book. He says this. And in fact, the book is uh, I know last week I mentioned it. And several people commented. What book are you talking about? It's the Footsteps of the Messiah by Arnold Frutenbaum. And uh, if you can find that, it is a good book. It's a very, very thick reference book. 
Not one you'd want for pleasure reading. It's got over 800 pages in it. I love the book. You will too. But he says this about this, the invasion that we're talking about here. This passage in verse uh, 15 is talking about fleeing. And he's talking about the uh, military. He says, whenever a figure of a flood is used symbolically, it always symbolizes a military intervention. Uh, invasion. A good example would be Daniel 9.26. He gives this, where the Roman invasion and the devastation of Jerusalem fulfilled was, uh, was in A.D. 70. It's prophesied in terms of a flood. This invasion of Israel uh, sent by Satan was described in Daniel 11.41. He shall enter also into the glorious land. This is the invasion spoken of in Revelation 1 and 2 by which the Antichrist will succeed in taking control of both Jerusalem and the temple and will commit the abomination of desolation. And so he is saying that here, when you see this kind of terminology, it is in reference to uh, forces. In other words, judgment has come, disaster has come like a flood. That's the imagery here used in this language. This could be, most likely does refer to some kind of an army. Uh, we don't know what, but it's not unbelievable in our day that we could see this. Again, Daniel 11, and I know we're jumping around. We've got to deal with so many different texts. Uh, but Daniel 11, verse 26, speaks of an army that overflows with destruction that just floods the land. The dragon is figurative. Now get this, out of this passage. We see the dragon is figurative. He's talking about Lucifer or Satan, fallen Lucifer, whose name is Satan, the devil. The serpent is figurative, so we assume the mouth of the dragon is figurative. And therefore, if the mouth is a figurative language, it's possible that the river is figurative as well. In other words, it's not a real river. He's not going to flood the, this, the, the, the nation uh, wherever they are. In fact, this, this is talking about the place where they have run to. It's as though Satan has figured out through the Antichrist where they are and he's going to flood the land. Well, the picture is of a flood overtaking the land and overtaking them, which is what he wants to do. So that he says, so that uh, he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. And the imagery here is going to be some great force comes like a flood attacking the people of God, in the very place where they are being protected. Now think about that. God prepares a place. He's got it written in His Word. Satan reads His Word. Satan knows His Word better than we do, probably. We're assuming that. Can't prove that. But there's going to be, He's going to muster up a force or an army, probably of humans and demons, to attack the people of God in the very place where God says he has prepared for them so that he can protect them, so that he can nourish them and keep watch over them. This is the second wave of attack. So verse 15 says they come after the woman. They want to sweep her away with the flood. Literally, they want her to be drowned. That's what the word means. They want her to be completely consumed and destroyed. That's the goal of Satan. Well, listen to this kind of language that is used in uh, Psalm 124. It says, Had it not been the Lord 
who was on our side, let Israel now say, Had it not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive when their angry anger was kindled against us. Then the waters would have engulfed us. The stream would have swept over our soul. Raging waters would have swept over our soul. Well, that's the same kind of language that Revelation chapter 12 verse 15 speaks of. Seeing the force of enemy was like some kind of drowning flood. Isaiah speaks of this in Isaiah 59 verse 19. Talks about those who fear the Lord and the name of the Lord and his glory from the rising of the sun. He will come like a rushing stream. So force and power is associated with the movement of these kinds of waters. So I believe God is talking about that. And I think what we see here in verse 15 with this second attack tells us that we have a frustrated Satan, a devil. He's going to put together a force of men and demons to come after God's people. It's as though he's located them and he's going to show the world that he can get rid of God's people. But there's always a but, isn't it? This great escape happens. This event happens that, you know, you think, was he stupid? Did he not read that the event is going to provide, that his event is going to be stopped by God, and God is going to provide a way of escape, a great escape. I mean, as great as any we've read in the Bible. Now look at this in verse 16 of Revelation 12. He says this, And the earth helped, and that really that word earth there could be translated nations, and the nations helped the woman, Israel, And the earth opened up, now there's a different word, earth opened up its mouth, drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. The earth helped Israel. The earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. What kind of language is that? Well, we said it was figurative. So if this is a force or an army of just thousands and thousands and thousands of men and demons coming after, flooding the land right towards where God has them protected. Interesting that I said God has them protected. It doesn't matter how many people are coming. It doesn't matter how big the flood. It doesn't matter how dangerous the flood. It doesn't matter what kind of weapons this army has. Well, what is this going on here? Well, you know, we can't say definitively, except it's the end of this army. That's what I can say. Whoever this is or whatever this is, it ends right here. It's, uh, it's so picturesque. It's, it's like, the, like I said earlier, the, the picture of Pharaoh and his army. Man, they had no idea they were coming to their, their destiny, to their end when they got to that I would have been scared to death in that army to look and see the walls of water around. And obviously, the, the, the river or the, the Red Sea had opened up. I, would be, I don't know what I'd be thinking. But I'd be thinking, this doesn't, this doesn't look like it's going to end well. Well, this is what we see here. In fact, this kind of language that's here, we found in Numbers chapter 16, when Moses warned the people because of their sin that... Uh, if these men die the death of all men, if or suffer the fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. He is proving to them. It says, then it came about as he finished speaking all these words. This is in uh, Numbers chapter 16. 
The earth opened up its mouth. Same verbiage as we have in Revelation 12, 16. Uh, Same verbiage. And then it says this, And the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed them, meaning people, up. It doesn't say water there. It says them and their households and all the men who belonged to Korah and all their possessions. So what happened? Well, a major earthquake. The earth just opened up and took them down, all of them. Now, how do you fight that? So they and all that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol, and the earth closed over them. This is what the word says in in Numbers. I mean, in uh, in uh, Numbers chapter sixteen, the earth closed over them, and they perished from the midst of the assembly. That means the nation of Israel was around them. And all Israel who were around them fled at the outcry, for they said, the earth may swallow us up. Well, they were scared, but that, that, would, that would be a natural fear, would it not? I know I was sitting here in, 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 the, in this house. I'm living in my son's house in St. Louis. And man, I heard the loudest boom, or more like a thump. It's like the whole house just went boom. I didn't know what it was. I ran outside. I thought, what? Something has happened. Well, I come to find out by my son called me. He said, Dad, y'all just had an earthquake. Uh, it was all over Twitter. Everybody was talking about it. And I said, I felt it, Brian. I felt it. It's the first earthquake I've ever felt. It scared me to death. Well, that's what these people were fearing in Numbers chapter 16. But think about this during the tribulation period. Think about being. I used to think about this all the time with the nation of Israel. And crossing over the Red Sea, and they're they're so as they're walking, they're seeing the walls of water. I, I know that Hollywood produced this when you when we saw the uh, the Moses and the Ten Commandments, and you you, you saw that. You just, I mean, that, that's what I think happened. Uh, and, and and you think about what were they thinking when they look back, and man, how could you not be just uh, in awe struck about that? It, it, and think about these Jews during the tribulation period fleeing because Israel, because the Antichrist is coming after them. And they're there being protected, and yet they know this army. I imagine the land is rumbling with the armies coming towards them or jet planes or whatever's coming. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the earth opens up and swallows them up. You know... I don't know what I would think, but I would hope that I'd fall to my knees and say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. Thank you. And what is one of the things that's characteristic during the tribulation period? It's earthquakes. In fact, Satan is so bewildered by this, so awestruck by this, he sends a third wave. And that third wave is to go after uh, the, the offspring who keep the commandments. Well, this is just a way to describe the saints, other believers during this time. Other believers, he's, in other words, attack one didn't work, attack number two didn't work, attack number three, Satan, it's not going to work either. Man, God is, is in the habit of saving and protecting the, the remnant of Israel, his, his people. God's going to protect his people. It reminds me, if, in fact, if you have your Bible or a pen, write these verses down. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Boy, does that verse not fit this passage. 
Man, God is for Israel. God is with Israel. God's protecting Israel. God brought them to that place. It doesn't matter what Satan does, how big an army. He's not going to succeed. Well, listen to Romans 8, 38 and 39. It says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me tell you something. If you're a child of God, you do not have to fear. You do not have to fear death. You do not have to fear isolation. You do not have to fear judgment. You do not have to fear persecution. And let me tell you something. Those may not be empty words. Those may be real words coming to this nation. We just don't know. But in John chapter 6, there's another little passage just tucked away in John chapter 6. As, uh, and I know that uh, we've not covered this one lately. But in John chapter 6, verse 39 and 40, it says this. And this is the will of him who sent me. This is Jesus, the incarnate Christ, uh, speaking about this to the disciples. Uh, the him who sent me, it says that of all he has given me, speaking to the Father, I lose none, but raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who believes the Son and believes in Him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. That's a promise. God will not forsake us, nor abandon us, nor leave us. It doesn't matter how bad this world gets. It just doesn't matter. Then there's one last verse I want to give you, John chapter 10. Verse 27 and 29. Listen to this. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. That's comforting. And they follow me. And I give eternal life to them. And they shall never perish. Never. We shall never perish. Then it says this. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. These are the kind of verses I think about when I think about what's going to happen during the tribulation period. I think these verses will be ringing loud and strong with the nation of Israel as they are seeing their protection. Listen to what verse 29 of John chapter 10 says. My Father who has given them to me, that's us, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. For now, this is William Rogers. I thank you for listening today as we cover the last part of of Revelation chapter 12. Next week, we're going to be looking at and diving into Revelation chapter 13. And all I can say is buckle your seatbelt because that is the chapter that so many people like to focus on. Well, we're going to try to cover it in as much detail as possible, even if it takes till the rapture. Thank you for joining us.